Like our content, it's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. Great to have you joining us here today in our service at New Church Live. And today we're looking at is one of my favorite topics of the Advent season, the concept of joy. And, and before we get going on that, just a few quick announcements about some things we have going on here at New Church Live. We have a number of different events that we want to make sure people are aware of. One of the ones is for Christmas Eve next week. This year it falls on a Sunday. We're going to stick to our tradition, which is doing a 5 p.m. service on Christmas Eve. So we'll not be at 1030 be at 5 p.m. Again, it'll be live streamed. We do it that way so that folks can have the service. A lot of people like to have the service and then roll right into a beautiful Christmas Eve dinner. So we're going to do that. I also wanted to announce anyone who's in the Philadelphia area, Susan and I are hosting a new church live open house. That will be on Thursday night. Uh, it's Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. at our house in Bernathan, Pennsylvania. You are more than welcome, to, warmly invited, welcome the whole bit to attend. We will supply the beverages. You guys will supply the pigs in the blanket and because uh, that's my favorite appetizer. And uh, hoping you can make it. It'll be a really, really fun event. Just a chance for those of us who do live locally or for those of us who are part of the New Church Live congregation and might be visiting in town, a chance just to connect one with another. And you can find more of that on our events page on our New Church Live website. So today, folks, we're, we're looking at joy, and it's, it's, it's a really interesting concept, right, that there's, there's these candles. And, and again, remember, we're talking about Christianity as a way of life. Christianity is a relational faith. Yes, it has theology to it, but, but the theology is all pointing us to how to live. So, so it's, it's, it's creating this story. And Christmas is the beginning of that story. And we celebrate it with the Advent candles. This week is week three. Hope, peace, joy, and then Christmas Eve, love. And today we're looking at candle number three, joy. It's, it's really hard as a pastor to, to, to lean in fully and, and to, to feel like we communicate fully the significance of that. This is a way to see the world. And it's not just hope, peace, joy, love. It's not just a way to see the world. You know, that, that has an outward looking thing. That's really good and that's a healthy to have. But it's a way literally to inhabit the world. Literally to be in the world. Carrying those things forward. And, and it's, it's obvious, like, we don't live there 24-7. Both the Christmas story and the Easter story, the main parts of the story occur at night. It's obvious symbolism there. You know that, that in times of darkness, that's where we most need to come back to these things that are, that are in our heart. And folks, they're, they're there already. They're, they're things that are within us. They're not like this distant thing we have to reach out there and create um, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there are steps we can make. There's things we can do. But, but really, those things are about uncovering what is already there, which is that connection with God. It's why Jesus said, you know, you look for the kingdom of heaven, the place to look for the kingdom of heaven is within. 
is within. And where I think we're supposed to go as on our spiritual journey is a place of hope, peace, joy, and love that's completely unconnected to the conditions of life. Where we have in some humble way, some imperfect way, come to inhabit that place in a way that is just who we are. And that's birth of that kind of thing is what we celebrate on Christmas. Now this idea of, of stars and, and this idea of in darkness, you know, stars kind of being this beautiful symbol of promise and hope, that goes back a long way. And today we're gonna to look at the wise men and them seeing a star up in the sky. And it's just interesting when we read the Bible, we look at, we look at what happened around the birth of, of Jesus. And, and it's, it's a story, again, when you look at the whole Bible, the Bible goes several thousand years before that. It has literature several thousand years before that that's included, stories that are included leading up to this moment. And one of the ones not directly related to the Christmas story, but I think that, that the wise men would have known and, and that is worthwhile for us to just think about in our own lives is this beautiful story going way back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your family, your father's house and go to the land I will show you. And you'll see beautiful parallels there coming up. And I will make you a great nation. I will bring good to you. God took Abraham outside and said, now look up into the heavens and add up the stars if you are able to number them. Then God said to him, your children and your children's children will be as many as the stars. Then Abraham believed in the Lord and that made him right with God. That's such a beautiful capturing of, of here's this promise. And, and this promise, this beautiful idea of a star, beautiful idea of a North Star even, that in these times of darkness, God never leaves us without. There are always these, these signs of promise. And our job, and we're gonna look at it today, is, is to look at the way joy can be one of those stars. That joy can help us to find our way home. So as the musicians come out here for our first song, just, just think about the magic of that star and think of why they were able to see it. The wise men, which we're gonna get into that story, Abram, who we just looked at, the wise men, the three wise men, famous story, they could see it, you know why? Because they were looking. <laughs> That's simple. They could see the star because they were looking. So we come back, that's what we're gonna talk about. What does it mean to really look for that star, to find that journey, and to become overjoyed when we arrive at that place? So friends, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Sounding joy 
Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. wonders of his love and, and how that how that works and that idea of wonder you know let's and maybe today just just maybe that's the spirit we should come at for today it's just a spirit of wonder to hear this story this story that gets said every year and, and every year it's the same characters it's the same story but each year it, it means maybe a little bit different something a little bit a little bit different opens up for us that's the wonder of these stories, because there are stories. They're what's inside of us. There's what's true, and there's, there's how it opens up in our lives. This story of the three wise men. Let's read the story first, and then let's, let's pull it apart just a little bit to see some of the parts that are really significant as, as we can look into this, this particular Christmas season. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search for that child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. Boy, what, a, what an incredibly powerful story. And, and let's look at the two figures there. There's one figure over here, Herod. Herod was, was an omnipotent ruler at that time. 
Uh, he was sort of the, the proxy, the Roman proxy in that territory. He was known historically for his brutality. I mean, if you Google him, he did all kinds of incredibly brutal things. And that's what he was known as. He was also known as an amazing architect. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. He did all these things. But this man is a dark force in this story. This man is that part for all of us in Christmas, that part of Christmas that shows up that ain't so nice, that's not so good, that's jealous, that's angry, maybe resentful at the world, maybe even, folks, a little bit this, maybe even resentful at the joy of Christmas. It's not a good place to be. And, and that part, folks, like, and I, I did a service on this a couple of years ago, and it's just it's a fascinating little truism is, is, you know, when you look at Herod, why couldn't Herod see the star? Well, he couldn't see the star because he couldn't see the star. He had no idea what was going on. Well, of course he didn't have any idea. That part of us can never see it. That part of us can never see it. What does Christmas morning look like to a kid who's jealous that everybody else got something better? <laughs> Not so good. And remember, that's a universal human experience. All of us have had that moment where we feel like, well, I don't get that. My brother got something much cooler than I got. See, folks, that Herod piece is part of the Christmas story, too. And we can't just look at it as a benign thing because it also can be incredibly destructive. Incredibly destructive. Now let's go over to the other side of the stage here and look at a different way of seeing it. Again, three wise men coming from the east. Magi also means, that's where we get our word magician from. You know, these were, these were people who were into astrology. They were very learned. They obviously were, were highly educated, or else how would they have ever gotten a, 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 a time to meet with Herod, this all-powerful ruler? Like, that just wouldn't have happened. These guys were at the top tier of society, and, and they were looking. They were looking. Isn't it interesting, Right? that the first candle of Advent, the first candle we lit, was the candle of hope. They were able to look up in the sky, and, and again, you could look at it literally, or you could look at it figuratively, it doesn't really matter. The story is true at its deepest level. They were looking at, at, out from that hope, and that hope was able to see the star in a way that Herod never could and never will. And then the beautiful part of this, folks, is that this, this part, it gets us moving. It gets us to make a journey. We start to understand hope, and we start to understand this, this peace in this real way. I was, I was having a great conversation with a couple of dear friends, and they said, well, what's the difference between like peace and grace? And and peace from, a, from, a, from the perspective that we're reading it here, from a, from a Jewish perspective, because that was the perspective the Bible was written from. From a Jewish perspective, it had this idea of shalom. It had this idea of wholeness. The perfection of winter, spring, summer, fall. The, the idea that life, of course it's always blessed, of course it's always broken, but as we see in her all the time, blessed, broken, and shared, it has it all, and, and we come to peace with that. 
I mean, that's a lens, right? We have that hope. Love stretching into the future, which we talked about. Then we have that peace, which is that all-encompassing bit. And then we start to move forward. Now, as we move forward, folks, there will be times, you know, in our life, it's, it's not like we see the star 24-7. We, we don't. I mean, that's where we pick up on the story. That's why they had to see Herod, because they'd lost track of the track of the star. And it says, go and search, it's Herod's command of them, go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Report to me so that I too may go and worship him. That, that's the Herod piece, you know? And this is, this is, by the way, this is known as a lie. This is not what Herod was after. Herod was just trying to get on their good side so that he could actually destroy the child because when he heard king of the Jews, what he heard was a threat. What the wise men heard was hope. Think about that. Threat or hope. Threat or hope. That living into that, folks, you know, it's, it's interesting. Herod really had nothing to offer them. He has to do his own consultation. He asks his other wise men, well, where's, where's, what does this have to do? And they say, oh yeah, there's this prophecy, child in Bethlehem, et cetera, et cetera, but that's finding a needle in a haystack or maybe more, more accurately find a needle in a bunch of needles. There's, there's no way they were gonna be, he was gonna be able to find a child there. So these wise men, though, they're, they're, they're smart enough to keep moving. They're wise enough to keep moving. Winston Churchill famously said, if you find yourself in hell, keep going. <laughs> Real wisdom there. That idea of just continuing on with the journey. And again, it's a journey of hope, a vision of hope, fed by this promise of peace, and it's moving forward towards joy. And they do find that joy. This is such a beautiful line. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star, this is the wise men, they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. You know, it's, it's amazing, folks, to think, right? Because they had gone to Herod because they felt that this sort of this, this royal uh, top of the power pyramid guy could tell them where to find their thing. But what they found, maybe a little bit like the Wizard of Oz, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain because he's small. He actually doesn't know. And it's interesting, you, you imagine that experience, just that picture, folks. And, and again, different historians will say this happened later than when the Lord was an infant. Doesn't really matter. Sometimes you'll see the wise men visiting an infant. Sometimes you'll see them visiting a toddler. That's what that's all about if you see different depictions of the wise men. But regardless, just imagine them walking in. It says overjoyed. It doesn't say surprised. That's significant. I think when we find God, when we, when we, when we start to experience that little moment of being overjoyed, it's, it's oftentimes not because we go to the bigger and grander. But maybe, maybe, it's because we're open to go into what is smaller 
and actually more humble. We don't go big, we go small. And that idea of the star, just imagine they just come up visiting the, the ruler, no doubt in this incredible palace, and now they're headed to, to, a, to, a, to a manger or to a house of some sort, no doubt very humble origins there. Or what they witness are two loving parents and a beautiful baby. That, that significance of joy is incredibly important. Because let's just sit in that moment. I want to give you a theme I think we can think about and I hope we can, we can just look at this week. And that's this idea of thinking of joy and the joy that you will be experiencing over Christmas. It won't be 24-7. Uh, it probably won't show up at all Christmas Day around 1 p.m. That's when I lose all my Christmas joy. You know, after the opening the gifts is all done, it's kind of like, whoa. Uh, you know, it's... It's just kind of interesting to think, oh yeah, I need to make sure that I allow joy not just to be like a fleeting thing that zips across my, zips across my screen, but I have to just breathe and let it be a reset. Joy as a reset. A little tangent. I was talking with someone who was mentioning with forgiveness and they they were talking about forgiveness and, and how hard it is. Like, you know, you, you ask somebody for forgiveness, but we all have those things we work out again and again. We're bound to make the same mistake again. So why did we forgive? If we're, why did we ask to be forgiven if we're just going to make the same mistake? And, and we have to be forgiven, folks, because we have to keep coming back to that reset. We have to. And that's true whether you're talking about forgiveness that reset, even though we know we're going to need it again and again, reset it. It's the same with joy. We have to let joy reset our lives again and again and again. And it's, and it's so easy not to do that. It's so easy to think, no, joy, joy is just, what is joy? You can find a lot more proof that life is not filled with joy than you can find proof that it is if you really work at that. Now, of course, the opposite's true too. But you can convince yourself there's no joy in life. This is, gonna, this is especially important for those of us who are older. We have to be the ones who are sort of standard bearers that, that joy is the reset. That's no small thing, especially at times that are as, as, I don't know what the word is, but just that feel so much like this, like it just feels a lot like this these days. It has for years. Well, what if we forget about joy as the reset in times like this? What are we left with? So that joy is important. Humor with it is important. I was talking with my mom this morning. And they may be moving into an assisted living place and she's going to go look at a new apartment from my, from my dad and, and her. And, uh, you know, the apartment's right beside the doctor's office. She's like, I don't want to be right beside a doctor's office. There'll be people all lined up in the hall. And I said, but mom, it means you'll be able to leave for the doctor, nine o'clock appointment at 8.59. That's really good. And that is really good, right? But, but that's, that's where we have to like let joy reset. Sure, we could look at it in a million other ways. 
Ready for this? Sure, we could look at a million other accurate ways, but who cares? If we don't have joy in our lives, there's not much humanity in us. Think of somebody whose humanity you deeply admire. And you'll put Jesus at the top of the list. Think of someone like that. Their life had a lot of joy. Had a lot of joy in it. Those are the people we all gravitate towards. And again, I have no doubt in my mind, Mary and Joseph must have been a riot. They must have been a lot of fun. They must have gone through life with a lot of joy. Because how else could you have endured the things that they endured? And then we start to see something, folks, open up. I, I love this, this quote. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a, was a famous professor in Oxford. He was a diehard atheist. He converts to Christianity. He famously said, I was the most reluctant convert of ever of all time. He wrote a bunch of very famous books on Christianity. The screw tape, screw tape Letters is my favorite. Uh, this is from his essay, The Last Battle. And it's a beautiful line. It's a piece of fiction, but a beautiful line. Tyrion looked around again and could hardly believe his eyes. There was the blue sky overhead and grassy country spreading as far as he could see in every direction and his new friends all around him laughing. It seems then, said Tyrion, smiling to himself, that the stable seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. And he's talking about a stable that he'd entered. Yes, said Queen Lucy, in our world too, and here's the Christian reference, in our world too, a stable once held something inside, inside it, that was bigger than our whole world. Held something in it that was bigger than our whole world. When we think of that, we can think of joy, like of course something that holds something bigger than the whole world that you enter into, that all be seen it's not an end point, but a portal. Of course we're just gonna see joy all around that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Gospel, good news. Jesus' promise, not just joy, but fullness of joy. The Bible is filled with this concept of joy. And what it means is, is this, folks, and this is, this is kind of a, a fun one, and it's something I've, I've talked about in here before, but I think it's really important for us to remember is for Christmas is, is really this idea of the duty of delight, as Dorothy Day called it. She said, she said beautifully, she said, look, and she was, she was working in some, some really distressed circumstances back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. She's the founder of the Catholic Worker. You know, and, and, and she said, no, you have a duty to delight. You have a duty. Get over yourself. Get on with it. And she was a little bit of a curmudgeon, by the way. So it's kind of funny to think of somebody who's a bit curmudgeonly talking about the duty of delight. But, but that's how she knew she was going to be able to do what she was going to do. So, so if she's sitting down with some folks who are really struggling, if she's sitting down in the midst of, of homelessness or the midst of addiction or the midst of fill in the blank, she's able to go, no, my duty even here, even here is to find a piece of delight. Plenty there to choose in terms of despair. But can we choose the duty of delight? Herod 
can't see that. That part. All a haired piece sees are threats everywhere. Again, let that sink in. All Herod sees are threats everywhere. There are parts of us that only see threats. But this part over here can see the delight. The wise men, looking out with that lens of hope, holding the world with peace, shalom, winter, spring, summer, and fall, the perfection of it all. Blessed, broken, shared. That's the holding, folks. That's the duty of delight. That's, that's something far different. And then what we start to understand is that joy becomes a moral imperative. Joy and delight are not selfish pursuits, but rather, and this is critical, rather integral aspects of a well-lived and morally responsible life. It's kind of interesting, and there's a lot to play with here. There'd be a wonderful way to have a conversation with people on this. You know, that idea of, of it's, if you don't have joy in your life, you're being morally irresponsible. <laughs> There's one to think of. That we have to have it. Now, now again, folks, as, as soon as that comes out of my mouth, I'm reminded of a caveat. There are no doubt probably dozens of people who are watching this service right now to whom that is just not going to be true because they're dealing with loss. That is true. So we want, to, we want to leave a little carve out there. The moral responsibility comes around when we get, yeah, and we've got at some point in time to come back to joy. As painful and as hard as that is, we've got to come back to joy. Even in ways that are very small. You know, again, folks, it's, it's, it's not that it's always big. It's, it's, it's oftentimes it is always small. And, and then it can actually become something that becomes a, a bit of our conscience, like let your conscience be your God. And there's, there's kind of a number of ways to view conscience. I mean, conscience from a Christian new church perspective, that's the new will. That's the new heart. Heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. Heart of stone becomes this, this conscience. We're able to just see the world and sort of have this, have this intuitive grasp of what is loving and how to be loving. Now, it's interesting, folks, with the idea of conscience. I think a lot of the time, understandably, conscience shows up for us. It shows up in, oh yeah, don't do that. That would be a bad idea. And I want to talk about a different kind of conscience today. The conscience that's just able to be this, as, as uh, Eckhart Tolle says, the silent watcher. That part of us that can just very quietly just watch what's going on. Can step back and just watch and smile. I think that's part of finding joy as well. You know, I wanted to get at it this way. There are always bits of magic to find. There's always bits of magic in life to find. I mean, this is a little bit of an aside, but one of the nicest compliments I ever had someone give about their wife is I, you know, was talking about his, 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 his wife. Well, he was talking about his wife and he said, oh, Chuck, she's magical. Oh, such a nice compliment. Because we can find those bits of magic out there that, that silent watcher or that, that silent knower can definitely see them. And so now we're gonna do a little speed round sharing. So if you have your phones, 
online. And again, the vast majority of you tune in from, from outside of here. So, so if you have your phone or, or you're typing and you're commenting along with the, with the various people who are, who are on our different online platforms, this is the question I, I want to take a look at. Where do you find magic in the ordinary? Where do you find magic in the ordinary? Where do you find it? It was fun. We, we put this out and some people had some, some, uh, some answers to get us warmed up. Dogs, endless love. That's a good one. Being present. Uh, the continuous birth of the new man from the old has me in tears. Happy ones. My visiting grandchildren waking me up at 5.30 in the morning to decorate the Christmas tree. That's a good one. That's the whole way from South Africa, by the way. From Colorado, kindness. Another Colorado person tuning in saying birth. You know, just these, these moments. And if, if we just can step back and be the silent watcher, we can see it. So I'd love for you to, to shoot some in to me. You can shoot them in via text, 215 and I'll get them. Because I want to take a look at at what that can mean for us, folks, and and, and again, why that joy matters. Well, that that joy in a sense, folks, that joy in a sense, it it becomes this this anchor in our lives. Like it's, it's not just to be, okay, we had our joy, now back to life. Please don't ever do that. That All right, I'm going to rant for a second. That drives me crazy when people do that. We'll have a moment of joy, but that's not reality. Again, for the hundredth time, what does that mean you hold reality as when you say joy has nothing to do with reality or happiness has nothing to do with reality or hope has nothing to do with reality? We have to get back to reality. In other words, we got to get back to the negative. Don't do that. That's very Herod-ish. What we want to see is, is we want to see joy, folks, as, as something that, that starts to anchor us because, because life really will have challenges. Life really is going to have a lot of hard parts. Just because we experience the moment of joy doesn't end the hardness of life. It's interesting. You know, the wise men, they offer their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then the story goes on and closes and having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route or another way. When they had gone, and this is the next line, when they had gone, the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that is actually what happens. And folks, when we, when we do that, when we, when we hit those little moments, we can start to understand things just, just, just so differently because of course life, like your life has, will have its own set of challenges tomorrow, probably even this afternoon. It'll have its challenges. But can, can you take this joy, going back over here, can you take this joy and let this be where you start? Let this be where you go into the next set of challenges. Lots of text messages here. Let me, let me answer a few of them folks out. Families, here's just a few folks of these sort of observational pieces. Joy in everyday life that can experience happiness seeing a family member, friend, or colleague have satisfaction that something they have been working on get completed. 
Family showing up, even though it won't be perfect, feels extraordinary. That's beautiful. I find joy in the simple discovery that others make, especially children, that moment of learning something new and the spark it generates in others. Oh, this is a beautiful one. The sparkle of happiness in the eyes when I visit my 103-year-old relative. It fills me up. It's all the giving. That's how I receive. Family, friends, and the blessings of others. I shared a favorite song with our first one line from this is, show me a garden that is bursting into life. Beautiful. Magic is all over the natural world, like the unexpected beauty in the flower of a seed. Unexpected joy of aging with incredible insight to the Lord's providence. It's very well said. Another, in the faith of a new day. The gradual maturation of cherished, but sometimes challenging children. Amen, you must have my children. Resiliency, quiet evenings and dancing in the kitchen, the sun setting over the ocean, cooking with my son, having family to talk to. Folks, what if that's the reset? What if that's the anchor? What if in some amazing ways, amazing ways that only God can pull off, that becomes what, what this Christmas is, this anchor. And we live it out in such a way, folks. It's not just an anchor, but it becomes this, our destiny.
Live, it's Angela. I just want to invite you all to consider making a donation to support New Church Live today. We rely on the support and generosity of this congregation, and we hope you'll consider uh, making a donation to support this church. If you want to make a donation, all you need to do is text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977. You can make a donation that way, or you can use the QR code on the screen or you can use uh, visit the donate tab on our website and make a donation that way. We are so appreciative of all support at all levels. And if you're looking for a free and easy way to support New Church Live, one thing you can do is share our content. The best way to support New Church Live is to grow our congregation and get our message out there. So if you see a service that inspires you, you watch a 10 minutes of calm, or maybe you see something posted on social media, share that with your friends and family uh, through social media and that helps New Church Live in so many ways. So whatever way you choose to support New Church Live, we are thankful for you. We hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Angela. So folks, those are such beautiful answers. And, and again, just imagine joy as a reset. Like don't, it's just easy to just think, yeah, just, just have a little joy. No, no, allow joy to get you back to what's real. Allow that moment of joy to get you back to what's true to what matters, to what lasts. It, you know, the little moment for our family, uh, last night we, we brought both sets of kids together for a little Christmas celebration and it was wonderful. And, and you know, there's a lot of noise and laughter and food and this and that, a lot of, lot of, lot of kerfuffle, you know, just a lot of kerfuffle. And, uh, you know, my little granddaughter, Lumi, who's, who's 18 months old, we have a little nativity set, set up a little wooden one, and there's a little, little manger with a little baby Jesus in it. And she starts playing very quietly as the rest of us are all making a lot of noise. <laughs> and the silent watcher for me wasn't there, that silent no, it's just like, I, you know, trying to make sure everybody's talking and all the food, so, you know, just that doer, 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 doer. And then, and then Susan says very, very quietly, she says, oh, look at, look at Lumi, look at Lumi. Because it was drawing towards the end of the, end of the evening. And, and Lumi is the little tiny wooden manger and the little tiny baby, <laughs> little tiny baby Lord. And she's kissing the little wooden baby and putting the little baby back in the manger and putting that back in the nativity. And she did it several times. And... For a second, just like seeing that from a place of silence, from a place of stillness, 
not trying to get out a phone to capture the moment <laughs> or pointing at it saying, hey, look at this, just silently like, oh. Silent night, holy night. The silence of the stars. The quiet. It really calls us home. See, friends, I... I think, you know, I want to want to close on this because I think it's important as we go into Christmas. Like it's it's not just that, that we need these things. It's that the world needs these things. The world needs to be more hopeful. More peace full. And certainly more joy full. And we need God, but, but God needs you. God needs you. I want to play a little clip from the series, The Chosen, and it's where the disciples, and Jesus now in his adult years, it's where his adult followers are talking to Mary a little bit. And notice, notice her line about choice. Take a look at this video. So how did you feel when that happened? When what happened? His birth. Even before that, how did you know? When did you know who he was? I don't know. We're all tired. Do you really want to hear all that? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, well. Nothing about it was easy. I can tell you that. It wasn't in my hometown. My mother wasn't there. We had no midwife. I don't know if I'm ready to give all the details. Maybe some other time. But I do remember this. When Joseph handed him to me, it was like nothing I expected. It was like everything I'd heard about having a baby, but I thought this would be completely different. What do you mean? I had to clean him off. He was covered in... Uh... I will be polite. <laughs> he needed to be cleaned. And he was cold. And he was crying. He needed my help. My help. A teenager from Nazareth. Uh, it actually made me think for just one moment, is this really the son of God? And Joseph later told me he briefly thought the same thing. We knew he was. I don't know what I expected. But he was crying and he needed me. I, you know, he needed me. That seems really important. 
Because Christmas is this time of celebration, we, we celebrate what comes to us, this beautiful story, these beautiful reminders. And that's, that is as it should be. And it also needs to be constantly touched on that, that it happened this way. And it is still happening this way for each of us. Because God needs us. He needs us to receive this stuff and then he needs us to reflect it out as best and perfectly, as humbly as we can. It's, it's not just a one-way thing. We're finited forms of God's love, again, imperfect in human form. And we're to do the best we can because God needs us there. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, 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 to say that with enough import. Because I think even with things like joy, like God needs you to bring joy into your life. God needs you to bring joy to other people. God needs you to be just like those wise men, willing to make a journey, willing to even continue the journey when you've lost track of the star, but to learn to keep on going and to when you see it in those small little moments, there were so many beautiful lists there from, from, from cooking meals with the sun to, to looking into the eyes of a 103-year-old relative. There's those little moments where we can just become overjoyed and we can rejoice in those little moments. And find in that the courage, power, and the strength to carry on. That's our duty. It's the duty of delight. Have a joyous Christmas. We're going to close the service now, friends, with a prayer, with the Our Father prayer, with a blessing, and then we will have our final song dealing with joy. I bet you can't guess what it is. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you as always for these beautiful reminders. Reminders of hope, reminders of peace, reminders of joy. Lord, we know that again, much of this becomes real, not in times of light, but in times of darkness. Times where your light shines even somehow brighter, more clear, gives us a star, gives us a movement, gives us a destination, a destination again that can become our destiny. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have that part that can see it, that can, that can be that silent watcher and to allow those little moments of joy just to take a breath, and to allow that joy to reset us, reset our lives for the journey ahead. And thank you, Lord, as always, for being here. Be with us in the week ahead as we get ready for Christmas Eve. In your name we pray, amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
in the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful week.